Father God, I'm so thankful here for what you're doing at our church. I'm so thankful for the movement that you have in the lives of our people and in our pastor. And um, it just brings me to tears for the amazing opportunity that we have uh, to bring on Jason and, and Steve. And um, I'm just so thankful for their service and just to join pastor and, um, and serve here at the church. And Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have us to hear. And I just pray for pastor's uh, sermon as he prays. Just fill him with your spirit and lead him into the things that you want him to to say for your people. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, you know, I do just, uh, before we get going in the sermon, I have one more announcement to make. Uh, and, uh, well, actually, maybe it might be two technically, but it's one. It's about our board. And I actually just want to uh, first just take a second before we even do to introduce new board members. Uh, but first, I just want to want to honor someone. And so I would ask Merlin, would you, would you come join me real quick up here? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, tell you what's going on. For the last 40 plus years, <laughs> Merlin has, uh, has served on the church board here at Fresno First Church. And uh, last week, you all elected him once again. Uh, but on Monday, he called me and, uh, and retired from the board. <laughs> uh, he's, uh, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be here still, but just, yeah. And uh, I just want to say this. You have no idea how much Merlin has done uh, just even the last eight years that I've been here uh, to support me, to support the church, and to help us move forward. I'll never forget my very first time here uh, on a Sunday. I was interviewing here, and, uh, you know, I was nervous as all get out. I've never done this before, you know, and I had a sport coat on and everything because I knew the, the pastor before me was a suit and tie kind of guy. And that wasn't me, but, you know, I was willing to at least put a sport coat on. And uh, I don't even know if you'll remember this. But uh, so I was sitting right there, in the, right where my jacket's at, right there on the front pew. And I was going over my notes for my sermon. And Merlin walks up in jeans. I don't know if you'd worn jeans before that day at the church. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, he comes up in jeans and a polo shirt. And he leans over. And again, I don't know if you remember this. He said, he should take off that sport coat. Just be you. Uh, and uh, that was it. That was all I needed. Uh, and from that moment forward, I knew that he was on my team. I knew that he, he wanted the best for the church. And, uh, and it was just a good moment. And I don't know if you remember that, but I'll always remember that. And so, uh, and, uh, so you know, uh, at our board meeting this last week, uh, we just thought it would be honestly irresponsible for us <laughs> not to at least say thank you publicly for all the service that you've done. Uh, 40 plus years on the board is just amazing. And so uh, we got you a card and a card is not going to be near enough to say thank you, but uh, thank you. And thank you. you are loved. Amen. 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 So that being said, we did elect a new board last week. And so, uh, uh, the people that you elected, uh, Anita Mounts, uh, Ken Miro, Katie Sherbin, and Olivia Valencia are all the new members joining Jordan and Timmy on the board. And so if you would stand and uh, just wherever you are, so people can put a face to the name and know who the board is here at the church, uh, that'd be awesome. All right, cool. That's our new board. I, I could not be more excited about where God is leading our church. 
Uh, I, I literally was last night, uh, I knew it's coming. I know, I, obviously, I know it's coming today, right? <laughs> I, knew we were, I knew we were introducing Steve as, sir, as our senior adult pastor, and I'm going to start that hashtag for him, uh, Senior Strong. And uh, I knew we were introducing Jason as our serve pastor, and I was just so pumped last night. Uh, and uh, even this morning, I'm just... I'm just amped, and so I'm, uh, I'm so looking forward to what God has to do, and uh, it doesn't hurt that we're leading up into Easter right now, and so uh, I just, I'm always excited leading up into Easter, but I, we're starting a new series this morning uh, that's just going to really <clears throat> lead us up to, and in a lot of ways, through Easter, and the series is just called I Am. And uh, we're going to talk about who Jesus is. You know, the last couple weeks of our Connect, Grow, Serve series, our Rooted series, we really started to talk about, you know, building intimacy with God through prayer, building intimacy with God. And, and even last week, talking about praying for more of a missional aspect in our lives. How do, we, how do we pray for more of a missional aspect to go where God is calling us to go and to do what God is calling us to do? How does that, how does that work in our lives? And so, uh, you know, part of the way that we build intimacy and we build on this foundation that we have is by really getting to know God. <laughs> it sounds really simple, right? But that's exactly what we're doing. And so we're going to begin to build on the foundation that we started in our Rooted series, this series, and leading up into Easter, just talking about Jesus, who he is, what he, what he, what he does, what is his role in our lives. And we're just really going to make this personal as well. How do I know Jesus? How do I know Jesus? And so we're, we're calling this I Am, uh, and uh, that's, you know, Pretty great because uh, actually we don't actually have to go far into scripture to see what Jesus says about who he is. In fact, in the book of John, just, just John, there are seven instances where Jesus actually tells us who he is. He says, I am, and he starts these sentences. There's seven of them, and we'll just take a quick tour. John chapter 6, verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John chapter 10, starting at verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters the gate will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So, so far, just even just in, through chapter 10, we've got I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. You get to John chapter 11, uh, verse 25, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. We'll get into this more as we get towards Easter. I am the resurrection of the life. Uh, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, he says in John chapter 11. John chapter 14, uh, verse 6, Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus says this, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then you get to the last one in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. He says in verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He even starts telling us who we are. All right? I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So obviously, there's, there's these seven things. We're not going to spend seven weeks. There's only six weeks between now and Easter, if you can believe that. Uh, but we're going to spend some time here just really looking at some of these I am statements. 
What does it look like for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life? What does it look like in my life that Jesus is the light of the world or the way, the truth, and the life? What does it look like for, for, for Jesus to be the good shepherd in my life? What does it look like for, for all of these things? And as we get into the Easter, what does it look like for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life? Not just resurrected and alive, but he is the resurrection and the life. What does it mean for me that Jesus is those things? And so, so we're going to begin this morning, and I'm just going to state the obvious right now. I never knew John personally, uh, John in the gospel. I never really knew the disciple John, uh, but I do know about him, and I'm pretty sure if John was going to, going to set out to do a series on all of these I am statements, he would start with not the first one, but the second one. And it's this in John chapter 8, where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's where I want to start this morning. And I want to start there, and I really do think this is going to be faithful to John this morning, because John spends a lot of time in his Gospels and later on in his letters talking about this idea of light and dark, talking about this idea of Jesus being light, Jesus being life. And so we're going we're gonna to get into that a little bit this morning. And you know, this theme of dark and light is one that we see all throughout Scripture. It starts in Genesis chapter 1. The very first words that we see God, or we read God speak, let there be light. There was day and there was night. And he separated the two. All right, let there be light. We see from the very beginning there is, there is light and there is dark. You get even all throughout scriptures and God, we see God referred to as light. And we see on the flip side of that, our spiritual enemy, Satan, we see him categorized as the prince of darkness. Or we see darkness kind of characterize Satan or the devil, however, whatever you want to say, call him. Uh, you know, there's this contrast throughout. And even, even beyond John and even beyond Genesis, you get to the book of Acts and Jesus, or actually Saul, uh, Paul at this point, is recalling his interaction with Jesus, his engagement with Jesus. And you get to Acts chapter 26, and I just want to read this because this is what Jesus has called Paul to do. And here's what he says. These are red letters in my Bible. This is Jesus speaking this morning. I'm sending you to them, to the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This, this thing, I could go on and on and on about all of the imagery of light and darkness in Scripture. But nowhere in Scripture is this imagery more prevalent than in the Gospel of John and in his letters. He, he talks about this all the time. Here's just a, just a quick tour just through the Gospel of John real quick. John chapter 1, starting at verse... One, <laughs> believe it or not, he just begins. In the beginning was the Word, and he's talking about Jesus here. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself, John the Baptist, was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light, Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. 
Yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of light. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus is light. There's John chapter 1. Skip over a couple chapters to John chapter 3. We know John chapter 3, 16, but just go a couple after that. Chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, And here's... Here's what we read. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly, so that it may seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. John chapter 12, we'll skip our, our verse from today. We know John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 12, we get another, uh, another piece of this imagery. John chapter 12, verse 46. Uh, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You see this all throughout. And then you get to, to 1 John, his letter. His letter, 1 John, is towards the back, uh, right after 2 Peter, if you know where that's at. Second uh, <laughs> Peter, uh, 1 John. And this is what we read in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You can see, and I, this again, just skimming the surface. <laughs> John loves this imagery of light. John loves this imagery, and he uses it all the time, that Jesus is light, that God is light. In him there is no darkness. You know, John loves this imagery, and actually, you know, we kind of do too. Uh, we, we, talk a lot of, we talk about a lot of things in terms of light versus darkness, good versus evil. We put kind of this, this spin on a lot of different things, and we kind of just live as though like there's these light and darkness, kind of these two opposing forces, right? When in actuality, light and darkness are not opposites. They are not opposites. There's no competition between light and dark. When light shows up in a dark place, dark has nothing to do but run. Light always overcomes the darkness. It doesn't matter how dark the place is, how little the light is, light always wins. We see this at Christmas time. Whenever we light the candles, we turn down the lights and light the candles, and it just it gets bright in here. Why? Because light overcomes darkness every single time. And, and, and you don't get rid of darkness by removing darkness. The only way to get rid of darkness is by introducing light. And the only way to get rid of light is by removing or extinguishing the light. So when John says that God is light, that Jesus is light, there's actually something really profound and huge that he's saying here this morning. And in him there is no darkness he is the light of love, truth, joy, peace, and freedom. There's, there's a reason that he spent so much time talking about it. It's because he's convinced that God sent his light into a dark world so that every inch of darkness in this world would have to flee. This is the gospel. This is, this is such good news for us this morning. Jesus says that he is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And if we follow him, we will never walk in darkness, but we'll have the light of light of life. <clears throat> now, it says, you'll never walk in darkness. Does that mean there will never be dark times in your life? No. 
But here's what that does mean. That the light of Christ goes with you even into those darkest moments of your life. Jesus is the light. Even in the darkest moments of your life, you have Jesus there to comfort, to heal, whatever you need in those times. Jesus is the light of the world. And this is, this is good news. This is good news this morning. That Jesus is the light of the world. There's also some, I don't know, I don't want to say bad news, but bad news is that we by nature are not light. <laughs> right? We in our, in, in by nature are not light. In fact, nine times, if you continue reading in 1 John, after we, we just read verse 5, but if you continue reading on and between verse 6 and chapter 2, verse 2, which is actually just one paragraph, verse 1 is, it sounds longer than it is, nine times, that's more than once per verse, he talks about sin. He talks about darkness. And not that God is the one doing it, but that we are the ones that sin. Verse 8 in, chapter, in 1 John chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We have all sinned. Romans chapter 3 makes this really clear. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, by nature, are not light. Our nature is one of darkness. But we can walk in the light. Verse 6 and 7 here in chapter 1 says, If we claim, this is 1 John chapter 1, <clears throat> if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Walking in the light. It's a really beautiful metaphor to walk in the light of Christ. But what does it actually mean? John, I think, actually tells us what it means as he goes on here in verse, verse 8. Uh, he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only ours, but also for the sins of the world. I read this here and, and actually... I read this here, and I really think of kind of two different, two different ways that we can walk in the light, two different things that we can keep in mind in our own minds and our own hearts to be able to continue to walk in the light. And here's the, the first one is to walk humbly, to walk humbly. John warns us, hey, if you say you don't have sin, you're lying. That's <laughs> basically what he says. If, if you claim you have no sin, uh, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Right? We, we need to walk in humility. I think I just read verse 8 and 10. If we claim that we have not sinned in verse 10, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make God out to be a liar. <laughs> I, I want the word of God in me. That's, that's what I want. And so I, I think we need to really be humble. We need to walk in humility. Those verses make it clear. If that's what we're trying to do, if we're trying to say we haven't sinned, or if we're trying to say you know, we, we don't sin, we just say 
The truth is not in us. God's word is not in us. We make God out to be a liar. We need to approach God with humility, knowing that the temptation to sin is always present. Now, he even says, you don't have to sin. But if you do, we have an advocate. Confess your sins. Be faithful. This is, this is what he says. Don't pretend like you're perfect. Don't try and make it seem like you are sinless. The goal is to avoid sin, obviously. The goal is to not live in darkness any longer. But if, in fact, we do sin, then we need to go to God and we need to be humble about our lives and our tendency towards darkness. So we need to walk in humility. We also need to walk in obedience. Right, and we go on in chapter 2, starting at verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is what it means to be children of light. These, these three things. He says, number first, obey his commands. Do what he says. In, chapter, in verse 4. In verse 5, he says, obey his word. In verse 6, he says, live like Jesus lived. Now, this is what it means to walk in obedience. Don't be confused. These are three things of saying the exact same thing. Right? Walking in light is about walking in obedience with God. And John says the only way for God's love to be complete in us is if we obey him. Amen. So what is obedience? Obedience in terms of this light and darkness conversation that we're in, is allowing our natural inclinations to be trumped by God's will, to be trumped by something bigger than us, to become subservient to something else or someone else, God, in this instance. We understand the importance of this in a lot of different areas. Physically, for example, we, we, we understand this, we, we understand the importance of this when we take care of our bodies, when we exercise. I don't know about you, my natural inclination is not to go to the gym. <laughs> my natural inclination is to sit on my couch, have some ice cream, watch some sports, stay up late, sleep in. That's what I would like to do. But I know that if I'm going to be healthy, that can't be it. Right? But we have this hope. We hold on to this hope in a lot of different ways. Like That's why there's so many miracle pills that are out there with commercials. Right? You take this pill and you'll just be ripped in like 90 days or whatever. You know, like we see all of these things. Why? And we know. Like we, You see that commercial and you know you've got to do more than take a pill. But man, there is hope when you, like, uh, my natural inclination, maybe, maybe, I can, maybe I can do my natural inclination and just be just super jacked. Like maybe that's, maybe that's what I'm going to be. We know that's not true. So what do we have to do? If you want to be healthy, you want to be strong, you want to be fit, be ripped, what do you got to do? You have to put your natural inclination underneath what actually needs to happen. And likely have to do that multiple times every day. <laughs> That's just what it takes to be healthy. That's what it takes to be, to be in shape. That's what it takes. But we, we understand that for sort of our, if you want to call it physical obedience, right? We understand what it, that looks like. But when we talk about spiritual obedience, oftentimes we, we try to have this both ways. We live in a culture where anyone that would tell you that to not do what you feel like doing is just like, that's like a, the great sin of our culture today. 
I feel like doing this. I'm going to do this. And if you say, that's just not the way it is. <laughs> People are like, what do you mean it's not the way it is? That's, that's my truth. That's what I want to do. But in reality, what, what, this, this whole idea of kind of spiritual obedience is, is weird. The popular thought is you find whatever you find right morally and you do it. But that's just not, that's not reality. This idea that no standard that is above you should be able to, to kind of trump your natural inclinations. To talk about moral obedience is to admit that there is a standard above yourself. To talk about spiritual obedience means that there's something above me. And we know in this room that that is true. But oftentimes we live as though it isn't. Right? The kind of spiritual obedience that John is talking about is allowing God to overcome our spiritual inclinations. I don't really feel like reading today. I don't really feel like loving my enemy today. I don't really feel like serving my neighbor today. I don't really feel like doing any of that. But I'm called to. I'm called to be the light. I'm called to walk in the light. And so, so I, I, I just, it's, here's, here's, here's what spiritual obedience is. It's giving God at least as much authority in your life as your physical trainer. At least. <laughs> and more. But that's exactly what it is. It's, 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 it's allowing him to speak into your life and for you to come under his will. According to John, what's the purpose of this obedience? Chapter 2, verse 5 says, But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. That just sounds amazing. I don't know about you, I want love for God to be made complete in me. And I want to live the way that God is calling us to live. I want to walk in obedience. So we've got really these two, two pieces of news, right? We've got this news that Jesus is the light of the world, and amen to that. We've also got this news that says, yeah, my natural ability is not light. My natural tendency is not towards the light. Instead, it's to darkness. But here's the, the great news. You and I can be made new when we walk in the light. You and I can be made new when we walk in the light. Verse 9 in chapter 1 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You get, keep going in chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. This is pretty amazing. God is light. We are not. But we can walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, we are made new. Our sins are forgiven and we are cleansed. This is powerful stuff here. Just, just this verse too, that, that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What does that even, what does that mean? That, that talks about a, a sacrifice that settles judgment, that settles wrath. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Remember what I said earlier about being light and darkness. Light pushes away darkness. It overwhelms the darkness. They cannot coexist. So if God is light and in him there is no darkness, how do we walk in the light? How do we do this? How do we, how do we walk in the light knowing that in him there is no darkness? One way that we can do that, through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's it. There's nothing you can do to cleanse yourself and to be light. 
There's no magic words that you can say that will make you light on the inside as your natural thing. The only thing you can do is believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose from the grave and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. That's what scripture tells us. This is it. We're going to talk a lot more about this, obviously, as we get towards Easter, but, but this is the gospel. This is consistent throughout all scriptures, right? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our darkness, Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus, the light of the world, has come. Amen and amen to that. So this is, this is the gospel. God has made it possible for you to be in a relationship with him. Even though we and our nature are dark and he and his nature is light, we can be together and we can be in a relationship through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. This is amazing. This is the good news. This is the gospel this morning. So our challenge this week is to walk in the light. What does it look like to walk in the light this week? Well, first, you need to be honest with yourself and with God about the ways in which you aren't walking in the light. The ways in which, if there's anything in your life that you are, you are not honoring God in any way, you need to be honest with yourself about that. And as you are honest with yourself about that, our second thing is you need to confess your sins. Confess those ways to God, and Scripture tells us, the one we just read this morning, tells us that He will be just, and He will forgive our sins, and He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We can be clean. And then, as we do that, we walk humbly, and we walk obediently in the world this week. And that is going to look different for all of us. I don't know what it looks like for you to walk humbly and walk in obedience this week. I don't know all of your situations. I don't know where... You're all going to be. I don't know who you're all going to talk with. But God does. And God is calling you to go and to be the light. See, in John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. You know what he says in the Sermon on the Mount? You are the light of the world. How does that happen? It happens as we take the light of the world with us and we go. Amen. This is what it's all about. Walk in humility, walk in obedience, take the light, make a difference wherever you may find yourself. This is what it means for Jesus to be the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Think about that this week. As you're praying, maybe, maybe pray this week to the light of the world. Maybe, maybe think in your prayer life about if Jesus is the light of the world, what does this mean for me? As you're walking through your day, if Jesus is the light of the world, how do I, how do I respond? How do I walk in the light today? And just like we have to make those decisions multiple times a day when we're working out, we have to do that same thing when we live for Christ as well. What does it look like this morning for me to walk in the light? Lunch break. What does it look like for me after lunch? It's been a rough morning. How do I walk in the light after lunch today? How do I walk in the light as I go home and I'm with my family? How do, how do, how do, I, how do I walk in the light? Jesus is the light of the world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, 
We love you. And we're thankful for you this morning, God, thankful that, that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. God, would we just let that soak in this morning? And as we do, God, I just pray that you would show us ways in which we can, we can live, we can walk in the light. God, if there is any way that we are not honoring you with our lives, would you show us this week? If there is any way that we are not walking obediently in our lives this week, would you show us this week? Would we confess that to you? And as you, as we, as you promise in Scripture, would you, would you cleanse us from that unrighteousness? Would you purify our lives, God? And would we go out and make a difference for you as we bring your light into the world? God, we praise you. We worship you this morning. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As you go, let me just pray a blessing over you. May our God, the light of the world, remind you of who he has made you to be this week. May you take his light and go into the world. Make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in courage. Go in grace. Go in peace this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming.